0: Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.CrossoverChurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620.
1: Hallelujah. I'm grateful tonight Because I don't know about you, and I don't know about any other uh, speakers, preachers, teachers, but this is the first time that I have ever honestly been excited to deliver a word. I have to be honest. To the point where, literally, I want to run up on the stage. But I know that we have to have prayer. So I'm thankful for God to God for the season uh, that He has me in. Um, I'm just so grateful for it. So periodically, throughout the series, whether you're, you are able to attend all four, if you're only able to attend one, if you're only able to attend two, what I want you to do is to write down, if you're taking notes, or just think in your mind, of one thing that you have learned. So what you're gonna write down is, throughout our time, what am I learning? What am I learning? Because it is learning that brings about change in our lives. So what is it that I am learning? Even if it's just one thing that you get out of the the four weeks or you get out of however often that you're able to to come, what am I learning? Because learning causes change. Now, if a mother says to another person that her child has learned the alphabet, and so the person is like, oh, really? And then, okay, Sam, can you recite the alphabet to me? And little Sam goes, A, 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 F." then mommy is deceived because little Sam has not learned the alphabet. So there'll be no change, unless little Sam is able to say A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Now I know my ABCs. Next time won't you sing with me. That's when little Sam knows his alphabet, and that's when little Sam there can be changes that begin to occur in his life because what it is going to do is it's going to elevate him to the next grade or even take him to eventually the elevation of being able to read. And so learning will produce change. So write down what you learn. Just an overview of last week. We started last week on the conversion, and tonight is the conflict, then we're going to the third week, the command, and then the fourth week, the celebration. Now, last week, we covered again the conversion, and we did the before, and we did the after. We understood that the unregenerate person, and for those of you that were here, what does unregenerate mean? I can't hear you. Right, that is the unsaved person, the regenerate person, the unbeliever. And the unbeliever possesses the old nature. The unbeliever possesses the old nature. They're unable to understand spiritual things because they are spiritually discerned, they're spiritually appraised, they have not yet been converted. Also, they're unable to commune with God because they are spiritually dead. Mm -hmm. And also, as an unregenerate person, they are unable to not sin because they possess the old nature and their nature is sin. Because another name of the old nature that's referenced in the Bible is the sin nature. And so... Um, they're unable to not sin. And then we learn that conversion is the individual's turning to God in repentance and faith. Repentance is the abandoning of sin and faith in the work of Jesus Christ. And what, what is the work of Jesus Christ? His what? Exactly. His incarnation, I added that because I believe that that is essential to our faith, is that we believe that God came in flesh. And then the incarnation, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what faith in Christ means. And so the old nature, uh, the unregenerate person, excuse me, Um, They can take as many self-improvement classes as they want. They, they, They can come out just as happy and feeling just as enriched and fulfilled, but their condition is still the same. Their condition has not changed, and it will not change, until they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason why we went in that direction is because we had to begin to build a foundation and understand the before and the after of our lives. There are times when we have to look at the before to appreciate the after in our lives. And so the unregenerate person, again, no matter what they do to try to fix themselves or correct themselves, They will never be able to do it. They are spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. And now the conversion is our turning to God. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, conversion would not take place. It takes the Holy Spirit. Scripture tells us, That the Holy Spirit, that one of his ministries in his role is that he convicts the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. He convicts the world of sin. And what the Holy Spirit does is he begins to work not on the heart of the unbeliever, but he begins to work on the mind. Of the unbeliever and know how I know that let's turn let's turn to 2nd Corinthians verse 4 now remember last week I said we're gonna turn our pages in our Bible even though I know that it is gonna appear here on the screen and that's good especially for those of us who may have left at home but we're going to turn these pages because turning these pages will turn things around in our lives if we begin to turn them. And so we're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, excuse me, chapter 4 starting at verse 3. And it says and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, is in the image of God. So, the God of this world, Satan, He works on the mind of the unbeliever. And so the Holy Spirit works on the mind as well. And so I wanted us to to see that. So the Holy Spirit begins to work on the mind of the person. And that is his ministry. And that if Jesus had not ascended, he, he told his disciples that he had to go because he wanted to send the Holy Spirit. And so after conversion, a regenerate person, and what is the regenerate person? is the believer. The regenerate person is the believer. Now the regenerate person who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, they have repented, they, have, um, they believe in the person and work of Jesus Christ, That person is now saved. They are regenerate, meaning they have experienced the new birth. They now possess the new nature. They now possess the new nature. As a result, they are spiritually alive. They're able to commune with God, and they're able not to sin. They are able not to sin. They are able not to sin. If you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you point to yourself, point to yourself right now, and say, I am able able not not to sin. sin. Amen. 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 And so... (laughs) Before we get into the meat of tonight's um, lesson, there are some terms that I want us to familiarize ourselves with. You'll hear them throughout the night. The first one is righteousness. And righteousness means meeting the holy, righteous standards of God. Meeting the holy, righteous standards of God. Justification the act of God in declaring his righteousness to the account of the believing sinner. The act of God in declaring his righteousness to the account of the believing sinner. Jesus Christ imputed his righteousness to us, meaning that he wiped our account clean. Our account was filled with sin and death. Jesus Christ, through his righteousness, or the righteousness, righteousness of God, imputed his righteousness to my account. So my account was wiped clean. That is justification. Just as though we never sinned. We have an awesome Salvation, Amen. An awesome salvation. And so the third one is redemption. God purchasing our salvation through Jesus Christ. Propitiation. God's holy and righteous demands have been satisfied. The law demanded righteousness and failed to prove it. God providing righteousness apart from the law in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so... In propitiation, Christ was satisfying God's demand for the payment of sin. He was satisfying God's demand for the payment of sin, our sin, the sin of the world, Jesus Christ. Five, sanctification, set apart from the unholy to the holy. Impute, I explained that, charge, put to one's account. Now, this may be a uh, term that's new to you, maybe it's not. But it is essential for where we're going tonight. Positional sanctification. Positional sanctification is defined as we are already forgiven. That's our position when we believed in Jesus. Our position is we have already been forgiven and changed. We now have the new nature. Now, progressive sanctification is this, and I thought that this was so powerful. It demonstrates how we make real in our daily experience what is already true about us. And I'm going to read that again. It demonstrates how we make real in our daily experience what is already true about us. And we're going we're to we're talk a little bit more about that because it is so important, and I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but I'm going to go ahead. It is so important for us as believers that we know who we are uh uh-huh, I hear you saying that. I hear it. But I'm going to say it again. It is so important on a daily basis, on a minute-by-minute basis, that we know who we are in Christ. Because I believe if, when we make the decision to really live that, that we will be able to put that on our problems. And they won't have the same effect on us as they have been in the past. If we really knew and really would live who we are in Jesus Christ, then we wouldn't be trying to get something from other people that they'll never be able to give us. That they'll never be able to give us if we know who we are. If we know who we are in Him, we won't go after things that can never satisfy, whether it's people, whether it's a a, a piece of cake, and I'm telling the truth, okay? I'm going to tell all my business, but I'm telling the truth, okay? No matter what it is, a, a brother can be going on the internet looking and surfing for stuff he shouldn't be looking and searching for. Uh huh. If he knew who he was, then he wouldn't need to have an affair on the internet. If she knew who she was she wouldn't be in the chat room trying to find a date with some knucklehead we didn't have to pray about her life Uh uh-huh yep and so we came to the place where we said okay then what does this all mean if I have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I, I now have a new nature. The old nature is dead, and let's support that with Scripture before we go on. Turn to Colossians 2, Colossians 2, 13, Colossians 2, 13. And I use those examples because I tell you we have some real issues in our community. Very real issues. Whether we want to speak them out or not. But they're real. Leave it right there. So Colossians 2. 13, 13 through 14, and it says, and when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. And 14, having canceled out the certificate of death consisting of decrees against us and which was hostile to us, and he has taken it away, having nailed it to the cross. 15, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. The old nature was nailed to the cross, the sin nature. So now the question then, or the questions present, presented, are very real questions that are asked of some of that some of us ask. As those questions are, okay, if the old nature is dead, why does it seem like, and I changed that from last week, I put it seem like, why does it seem like I am still contending with it? Second question, then why do I still struggle with sin, habits, and bad behavior, and three, why do I sin even though I really don't want to? Therein is the conflict. Therein is the conflict. So tonight we're gonna talk about the conflict. And so we know that we have been justified, we have. We have been justified. It's not anything that we did, but it was an act of God. So we know we've been justified. We know that we now have a new nature. One of the things I really um, um, believe, and as I was uh, uh, doing this, I, I thought was, was so key. Because you know what, on conversion, when someone um, believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I, I, I have now stopped saying give, Because they're not actually giving their life to him. It's been his all along. So they're just coming into agreement with what was already in the heavens that's now here manifesting itself on earth. And so they are believing on the Lord Jesus Christ where they are coming to a place in their life where they're saying that I am ready to rely on and commit my life to Jesus Christ. And so now, so when a person gets saved, we really should say to them, happy birthday. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, we should say happy birthday. Because they are new, they are born again. It is their birth day. And so it is because of this, this new birth, Um, that is occurring in their lives and has happened in their lives, being justified, uh, meaning that it's being a, a declarative act of God, sanctification is now a process. We've been justified through the work of Christ, but now sanctification is a process. In the life of a believer. So then, okay, then, then what is the fight with? What is the fight then with? Three things the flesh, the world, and the devil. That's where our fight is. If you remember nothing else, remember that. Our fight, the battle, is with the flesh, the world, and the devil. And last week I did an illustration of uh, the soul, the uh, the body, the soul, and the spirit. But this time I opted not to do an illustration because I knew no one would really want to be the devil. And so I just opted not to do it. But the battle is with the flesh the world, and the devil. The flesh does not want to let go of what it is familiar with getting from us. I'm going to say that again. The flesh doesn't want to let go of what it is familiar with as it relates to us. It wants to hold on and so it becomes familiar with what used to get us by and get us through. What got us by and what got us through. It has been with us. Now, I don't know when you, when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, but the old nature has been with us and was with us for some years. And so there is some remnants of it. And where do you think, and I want you to just think, where do you think the remnants of the old nature are? So well, I heard somebody. Those are all good. Yep the mind, the mind, because this is, too, where the battle is, up here. And so the flesh, it remembers things, and so thus the habits we have that we try to break, those besetting sins, we get saved, and sometimes in our mind we just think that those things are just gonna be over. We think that those cravings are gonna stop. We think that those places that we went to that we won't want to go to anymore. But that's not always true. For some of us maybe, God's grace and mercy, because if, if so, we we would be dead. So the flesh remembers. But remember, sanctification is a process. And so that's why the apostle Paul in Romans chapter seven, roundabout uh verse. Starting at verse 14, he begins to talk about, uh, to me, he begins to talk about his struggle. And what he's talking about is his struggle with the flesh. That's what he's talking about. The Apostle Paul, the one who wrote half of the New Testament, had struggles, just like we do. He had struggles. Did God still use him to write over half of the New Testament? Yes, he did. Wrote it under the inspiration and the power of the Holy Ghost. With all of his struggles. All of them. Mm -hmm. And so the key thing to remember is that the flesh and the spirit will never agree. Holy Spirit, the flesh and the spirit will never, ever agree. Never. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. Galatians chapter five, verse 17. And it says, for the flesh sets its desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. The flesh and the spirit will never agree. So the conflict then, the battle is with the flesh and it's also with the world. It's with the flesh and it's with the world. The world tries to entice us with its traditions and with its principles. And we're not going to turn there, but in Colossians, the Apostle Paul begins to um, deal um, with the situation with the uh, Christians in Colossians. And he begins to tell them, or he tells them, don't get caught up in all these uh, philosophical uh, type of, of, of speq- uh, speculations. Don't get caught up in this this astral s- stuff, uh, uh, this, this looking at the stars to try to figure out what's going on. Don't get caught up in these things. Because what they were doing was that they were giving, giving more attention to the powers of the spirit world than they were to Jesus Christ. And so he calls it being, calls it the elementary principles of the world. And it's the same for us. I remember one time, um, a friend of mine's uh, 12 year old daughter came to me and she said, please, please can you tell my mother to stop calling the psychic hotline uh-huh. 12-year-old. Uh-huh. D- and the mother, in all respe- respect, was a professing believer. But she was trying to get her uh, understanding of things and, and figure out why she was here on this earth from a, from a devil. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. All she had to do was turn these pages. All she had to do was, was ask God, but she's trying to get it from another source, and it will never work. It will never work. It will never work. It'll never, ever work. So it's the world trying to influence us and to. A, 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 put us in a mold and, and trying to get us to accept their, their, their principles and so forth. And then the devil. And what the devil wants to do is he wants to undermine our victory in Christ. That, that's it. So He wants to undermine our victory in Christ. So that's the flesh, that's the world, and that's the devil. And I believe that all of them Have one thing in mind, and that is to steal our identity. It is to steal our identity in Jesus Christ. Because when you steal someone's identity or you take away the the who of what they are, you render them ineffective. You render them unproductive. We're fighting each other. Well, we need to understand where our real conflict and our real battle is. It's with the flesh, the world, and the devil. And when we get that, we will stop fighting each other. When we understand who our real enemy is when we understand who our real enemy is. That's what an abuser does. An abuser that wants to elevate him or herself, they keep their foot down on the person, trying to squash everything out of them that they can. Everything, everything of who they are, to make them submissive to them. And we have to decide today, who are we going to be submissive to? Who? Who are we going to be submissive to? If you're being challenged with a struggle, get some help. Stop trying to do this on your own because you see it has not worked. Stop trying to do this on your own because you are concerned about what people are gonna think about you. Stop. Because eventually the facade is gonna come down because you can't keep it up but for so long because it's not real. Get some Help, get some help. My brother struggled with alcoholism for over half his life. And he don't mind me telling it, especially if it it helps somebody else. Over half his life started when he was in high school, because it happened subtly. And it literally almost destroyed him and his family. And even today, he's having to pick up the pieces of his actions when he was drunk. He's still having to pay the price for that. But he's at a a good place now. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's at a good place now. Yeah. He's at a good place now. But he got some help. Because it will change your whole perspective, your, your, whole, your, your behavior. He lost a job because he was angry. He was a uh, sanitation worker. Boss got him upset because he didn't know how to control. He was, it was just out of control. So he takes all of the garbage and that was in the the receptacle and dumps it on his boss' car. Fired! (laughs) Okay, he was fired. Mm -hmm. But he got some help. But let's go on, because we're running out of time. But I said all of that for us to get to this place. Because we understand that the conflict is with the flesh, the world, and the devil. And all three are after our identity in Christ. And so we need to know who we are. And so as we enter into this new life, knowing that we will have conflict, we're going to have it. I know who my enemies are. I know that now. So once I know something, I'm responsible for what I know. So I know who the enemies are now, the flesh, the world, and the devil. And so now, and I know what they're after. They're after my identity in Christ. And so as a result of that, then I need to know who I am. I need to know what this new life is all about. And I want us to turn to Romans 6. And we're going to have to move through this. Now remember, progressive sanctification, it demonstrates how we make real in our daily experience what is already true to us. That which is already true to us. And so in experiencing this new life, what I have to understand is that there are some things that are going to be expected of me in this new life. And one of them is no. K-N-O-W. K-N-O-W. I need to know that salvation expects me to have a new way of thinking. Salvation expects for me to have a new way of thinking. And I'm going to read Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 1. If I find it. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do we not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we might too walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, there's that knowing, that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. There is a whole lot going on in those verses. And what we see is that we were baptized, we were buried, and we died. We were baptized, we were buried, and we died. And so as a result of that, the old man was crucified with Christ, we have been made slaves of righteousness. Also, that we now can walk in newness of life. But we are not going to experience much of this life if we don't know about it. We have to know about it. Number two, so that's no What's expected of Of us the first one was no no, right the second one is reckon salvation expects us salvation expects of us a new choice it expects of us a new choice and that's verse 11 for even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin but alive to God in Jesus Christ And so salvation expects of us a new choice. We have to be responsible to build our lives on new facts. On new facts, not old facts. On new facts. We must build our lives on truth. Not the lie any longer. On truth. Record means to live on the basis of truth rather than how I feel. It's not about how I feel. One day I feel saved, the other day I don't. One day I I have the old nature and I know it's dead. Now I got the new nature. The other next day I don't. No, we have to be secure in the facts. In the facts. Put that on, if we put that on our problems, they won't be as magnified as we oftentimes are making them out to be. And I'm not saying that some of us don't have some real extenuating circumstances. But the reality of that is, who am I in Christ? That's the reality that I have to live by. My problems don't define me. My problems don't determine the course of my life because it says that God orders the steps of the righteous. Not my problem orders my steps. God is the one who orders my steps. And he knew every last one of them before I was even thought of. Every last one of them. That means he can handle it. He can handle it. You know what the flesh will do? Uh mm-hmm. huh. What the flesh does is it tries to get you to keep your hands on stuff and not trusting and believing that God can handle it and take care of it. So what does the flesh do? It enters into my life and your life worry, stress, fear, Doubt. Then you turn around, and you look on your pillow, all your hair laying on your pillow. <laughs> because you don't stress yourself out so much, because you allowed your flesh to dominate you. I've allowed my flesh to dominate me. That's a reaction of the flesh. ah, God. If I stop, then I'll, I'll just pick up next time at this spot because we got a couple more to go, and I don't want to rush, and I'll be able to do it next week. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to stop on Reckon. And, I, and I, I'm going to read this um, to you. Now, remember, Reckon, salvation expects of us a new choice. God said that we have died to sin and are alive in God through Jesus Christ. And remember, this is true even if we don't feel it. Even if we don't feel it. We have to live on that basis. We have to live on that basis. And listen to this. To see myself as God sees me, to see myself as God sees me and to repent is the first step in salvation, talking about the sinner, of which we all were at one time. And so, and that's in Romans 1 through 3. But to see myself as God sees me in Christ and build my life on that truth is the first step to growth. And I'm going to read that again because it could be that some of us are not growing and we're feeling stuck is because I'm not seeing myself as Christ sees me and I, as a result, I have not built my life around and on that truth, And I'm not growing. And I'm blaming it on everybody else when it's all about me and what I'm doing. And so that right there, to to, to make this choice, if I decide to make this choice, if you decide to make this choice, and... You have a low opinion of yourself. You need to rebuke yourself and repent. If you have been thinking about yourself in a way in which God don't even see you like that. And I'm going to end on that. And we're going to pick back up on that next week. But before I do, um, no, we're going to stop. Would you stand?
0: Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.CrossoverChurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. If you live in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location. 5340 Baltimore Avenue, Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastors' Class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.